0: Assalamu alaykum wa wabarakatuhum. One of the methods of meditation or prayer uh, that's common uh, to all of the different Sufi tariqats or Sufi groups is zikr, and zikr means the repetition of the names of God, and meditating while saying those names. Um, An example would be uh, Rahman and Rahim, which are mercy and compassion, and the repetition of Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim, Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim, Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim. The words have a certain vibratory nature, certain resonance, and <clears throat> you say those words with the intention that the resonance of those words become part of your resonance. Well, whenever zikrs are begun, usually, the first word that is repeated is zim. Astafar al-Azim, azim which means, God forgive me. And it's interesting that they all begin with, God forgive me. But it's also evident why they all begin with, God forgive me. <clears throat> whatever our state, whatever our intention there's always forgiveness necessary. Um, purity, absolute purity is not something that we can imagine that we've accomplished. We must be humble and understand that we are always in need of improvement. So because of that, we always, we begin with Astaghfirullah Zim, God forgive me. But in that acknowledgement, there is a lot of understanding. God forgive me is a plea. A plea to Allah to forgive us for what has been done. But also, In verbalizing that plea, there is also the understanding that God forgives. And that's why we ask for forgiveness. So we understand that if we've made a mistake, if we've done something wrong, Allah is merciful and Allah will forgive us. Um, A lot of people repeat Azim, Zim, Astaghfirullah Azim all day long. It becomes their mode. But we should also understand that we can't keep doing things inappropriately and just asking for forgiveness. That is certainly not a true intention when we ask for forgiveness. If as soon as you uh, ask for forgiveness, you go back to the things you've asked to be forgiven for. So in asking for forgiveness, we are also proclaiming simultaneously repentance. And repentance means that whatever it is that we've done, we are setting up the intention that we will not do it again. And we ask God forgive, God's forgiveness for what it is that we've done, and we acknowledge that we understand that we've done things wrong. Which brings us to, well, where do we go from here? And where we go from here is to change our state. And we should understand that we are capable of changing our state. Um, think about during the day all of the different emotions and moods and states that we're in. Um, You may be angry at somebody and then that anger dissipates and then you may see somebody that you love and that mood or a state takes over. But States are constantly in alteration. The point being that in getting to know who we are, we need to know what our moods are and what our states are. And we need to be cognizant of our states as they occur. So if we're in a bad mood, we shouldn't linger in that mood, we need to change it. Um, Being in a state that is inappropriate can last for an extended period of time. And when it lasts for an extended period of time, it means that you're in a torpor. It's as if you've been drugged because you stay in that state. And why do you stay in that state? You have to ask yourself that question. Why do you stay in a state that is other than appropriate? Well, then you have to ask questions like, why are people stuck in anger? Why are people stuck in resentment? Why are people stuck in jealousy? Why are people stuck in states that don't do them any good? And it usually happens because in their anger, in their jealousy, they've been overwhelmed by the torpor of the inability to see accurately their own state. So they give themselves self-righteousness for their anger. They give themselves self-righteousness for their jealousy. Uh, Ignorance is such that it attributes positive attributes to things that are inappropriate to maintain you in that state. It's one of Satan's tricks. He says to you, in this particular situation, you are right in being angry. You are right in being stubborn. You are right in being jealous. And then you feel, oh, it's okay. I should be this way because of what they've done to me. I'm allowed to be this way. Well, this is part of being a fool. And to get over your foolishness takes changing states because if you get out of your anger and you become calm again and you are enveloped by Allah's mercy and you feel how he's taken your anger away from you at the same time you need to reflect why did you get angry what happened that made you angry and why did you stay in that state And what is it inside of you that held on to that? A fool is easily fooled. And Satan can make anyone into a fool because he's very close to knowing how they think. And he's close in knowing what their weaknesses are. There's a story of Jesus running, and a man saw him and began to chase him and said, Jesus, you're running. He said, yes. He said, aren't you the one who has been sent here as a mercy to the world? He said, yes, and he kept running. He said, aren't you the one who took clay and made it live? And he said, yes, and he kept running. He said, aren't you the one who brought people back to life? He said, yes, and he kept running. And he asked him all these questions about himself, which were all true, and Jesus said yes to them, and he kept running. And he said, why are you running? Who are you running from? He said, all the diseases, the blindness and the death that you've asked me about, and that I was able to intervene in. These are all tests God gave people. But foolishness is not a test. Foolishness is the wrath of God. And I'm running from foolishness. So we have to understand what foolishness is. And like a broken bone or blindness or deafness, it's not a disease. It's something that has been put on people because of their inappropriate actions continuously. So, when we say, Astaghfirullah azim, God forgive us, we are saying, God forgive us for foolishness, and God protect us from foolishness. And God forgive our foolishness and may the anger that Allah has that gives us foolishness be dissipated and may it be replaced with mercy. So we have to be very careful not to be foolish. We have to be very careful not to be a fool. Ibn Arabi said, Crows fly with crows, and eagles fly with eagles. We have to gather the eagles and fly with them. If you choose to fly with crows, you will be a crow. Understand that. So look very closely at who your associates are. Look very closely at who your friends are. And if your friends are foolish, remove yourself from that circle. If your friends are foolish, end those relationships because the result of those relationships is you too will become foolish. During the course of time, we go through many different states. Those states, if they're inappropriate, become torpers. Once they become torpers, they're very difficult to get out of. And if we are not conscious of our states, then we are overtaken by the nature of that state, and the nature of that state then begins to control us and tell us that what we're doing is appropriate. So we have to become somebody who can judge states in ourselves, not in others, but in ourselves. We have to know when we are with the truth and when we are outside of the truth. We have to know when our ideas are not good for us, and when our ideas are taking us on the appropriate path. We have to have the discrimination to tell our state at every moment. So we need to be conscious of our state as often as is possible. And that's why there's prayer spaced during the day, so that there can come a time when we stop what we're doing entirely and move into a meditative state. And that's why when we pray... Unless we pray in a meditative state, nothing happens. If your state during prayer is not self-reflective, then are you really praying, or are you just reiterating words and going through a ritual? So you have to stop and internalize while you pray. Who am I today? What was I today? Where was I before I stopped to do this prayer? What was the state of my being? What was the state of my intention before I stopped to do this prayer? And if that intention was wrong, let that intention go and ask God, to replace that intention with an appropriate intention. We need to say, Astaghfirullah Azeem, Astaghfirullah Azeem, over and over and over, to take us from one state to the next state. Before we begin our prayers, we need to say, Astaghfirullah Azeem. Before we do the Adan, we need to say, Astaghfirullah Azim. Before we do the Fatiha, we need to say, Astaghfirullah Azim. It should become a permanent part of our meditation. The understanding that we are flesh, and we have the weaknesses of the flesh, And we need to be forgiven for all of our weaknesses. And we need Allah to help us change our states so that we can go to what's appropriate. There's another reason for that. Because you can't walk around with guilt all the time. And if that's the path that you choose when you do something wrong, you can't go beating yourself up and say, oh my God, I'm so bad, I did this wrong, I did that wrong, I'm no good. All of these negative thoughts create a negative being and keep you in a negative state. So Astagoladim is also to change that negative state Into a positive state. God will forgive me. God does forgive me. God is merciful. I will not do this anymore. And I will be appropriate. Alhamdulillah. Which all praises to God. Comes right after. Astafarlah azim. So. We need to get into that mode. We need to get into that way. We need to go. Asking for forgiveness and then praising the one who forgave us. And then understanding within ourselves the nature of what and who we are when we need forgiveness and the nature of who and what we are when we are in praise of Allah and are in a mode of appropriate behavior. Allah is looking for each of us. To come to him, to come to him to ask for forgiveness, to ask for mercy, and to be elevated into the realm of Haq, to be elevated into the realm of truth. Haq meaning truth, Haq meaning reality, Haq meaning understanding the difference between the world of the elements and Allah's world. Allah's world, which is beyond the elements, which is the non-elemental world. Most of our inappropriate actions have to do with relationships with the elemental. If you look at the laws as to things you are not supposed to do, there's apostasy, which is to believe in things other than Allah. But then there are all the laws that have to do with all the things you're not supposed to do in the world. The shariat, the, you shalt not steal, you shalt not uh, covet, you shalt not do all of these things that have to do with the possession of the elemental world. Well, as long as we're tied to the elemental world, those kind of difficulties are going to come into play. And it's only when we release ourselves from the elemental pulls and pushes and hypnotisms and magnetisms that we can stop betraying ourselves through our attachment to the elemental world. So when we say, al-Azim, we're also saying, God, release me. From my attachment to the elemental world. God release me from my needs within the elemental world. God release me from my desires with the elemental world. Because it's in that release that forgiveness occurs. Think about it. Think about how your, your, your state will change when your desires change, when your needs change. If you're walking around all the time seeking praise from the world, you're in a torpor that makes you ill because you don't get the praise that you need. But if you can release yourself from the need for praise, How much easier is it to walk around in the world? If you think you need a certain amount of money to be happy, then what happens is all of the happiness that you can get from your existence gets blocked, veiled because of this great need. I need money, I need money, I need money. Your wife loves you. My God, how fortunate you are. But you don't see that. Why? I need money. I need money. I need money. Your children love you, but you don't see that. Why not? I need money. I need money. I need money. Understand the nature of torpor. Understand what it does to you. It blocks out everything else and keeps you focused on your desire. But focused on your desire in an obsessive Way, that's what torpor is. It's an obsessive, compulsive disorder. Desire is an obsessive, compulsive disorder that drives you in one direction and keeps you stuck there. We need to get unstuck. Astafa. God forgive me for my obsessive compulsive disorders and forgive me by taking them away from me. So you acknowledge the problem and then you work at being released from the problem and you acknowledge that the only true release comes through God's grace and through God's assistance in your being and without God's assistance. It's impossible. But with God's assistance, it doesn't take any effort because you're not doing it. Allah is doing it. And if you allow Allah to do it for you, it can happen in an instant. There's no need for years of psychotherapy. There's just a need for release. And the reason psychotherapy takes years is because men are doing it not Allah. And it's when you allow Allah to come into your life on a regular basis, constantly during the day, that change is going to occur. But, it's our responsibility to keep this change on the forefront of our thought, to keep Allah At the forefront of our thought. To keep the understanding that all change comes through Allah. That all things come from Allah. And the problems that we are having at all times deal essentially with thinking there are other solutions than God. There are other solutions than Allah. That solutions come from different places than from Allah. That we can find solutions in the world. If I only had more money, that would be a solution. It's not a solution. Whatever it is that you have in the world, it's never enough. Whatever it is you get from the world, it never satisfies the only thing that can bring you to peace is Allah's love and entering into Allah's grace and love. If you look anywhere else, you will end up in a torpor of need and a need that cannot fulfill, a need that cannot give you what you want. Why? Because it's not capable. It just can't do it. It's not there. There's the story, which I probably tell too often, of Nasruddin uh, looking for his key uh, at midnight in front of the mosque, which is the only place in the town that has a light because it has a generator. And he's on his hands and knees looking for the key. And one of his friends walks by and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm looking for my key to my house. The friend gets down on his hands and knees and looks with him. And he says, it won't help if you look with me. He said, why not? He said, because I didn't lose the key here. I lost it in the woods. He said, why are you looking here? He said, because it's the only place with a light. And that's what we do our whole life. We look in places where things are not Available, We look in places where there is no possibility of resolution. We look at things that can't be resolved as if they are somehow going to bring us peace. And peace cannot be found in the world. Peace can only be found in Allah. There are all kinds of religious movements that say, if you follow my teaching, if you follow what I tell you, if you follow what I do, and the whole world follows what we say, we'll bring peace to the world. The truth is, there's only one person you can bring peace to, and that's yourself. And when you bring peace to yourself, what's it mean? It means that somehow salam has entered your heart. And what is salam? It's one of the names of Allah. So Allah has entered your heart. And then you walk with Allah. And then you can bring peace to another person one at a time. But these stories about utopia are not the way that the world works. Peace only comes when Allah enters all of the hearts of all of the men in the world. And that only happens when the men allow Allah to come in. So we have to work on finding peace in ourselves, we have to work on bringing God into our being. Now, the interesting thing about that sentence is how do we bring God into our being? By recognizing that he already exists in our being and being free of all of the veils that cover him, that stop us from being able to see that he is already in our being. So we need to release our veils. We need to release the things that stop us from being integrated within the truth. We need to let go of all of the things that we are attached to and that we hold on to in the elemental existence that stops us from being truly within reality, truly within the non-elemental world, That is God's world. While we look at everything that we see, behind all of that is another world. Behind everything that we see is truth. Now, there are things that we can see that are indications of Allah's truth. But only if you're open Can you see those things? The smile of a child should make you recognize God. A blade of grass should make you recognize God. The bloom on a tree should make you recognize God. Once a dervish was walking through a bazaar, and one of the uh, produce sellers in the bazaar was screaming at the top of his lungs trying to sell watermelons. And he was screaming, the sweetest there is, the sweetest there is, and the dervish fainted, because in his head, that was talking about Allah. We need to be cognizant of Allah in everything that we see and everything that we do. We need to be constantly in a state of asking for forgiveness which is also asking to be released from all of the things that tie us to the elemental world, from all of the things that tie us to Allah's creation. We need not to be in love with the creation, but we need to be in love with the Creator. We need not to know the intricacies of the creation. We need to know the intricacies of the Creator. And as we get closer to Him, we become purified. Because as we get closer to Him, we leave the creation and go towards the Creator. This is our path. This is the way we will find salvation. This is the way we will find the truth. This is the way we will find true peace in existence. It's not because of what we have accumulated in the world. It's what we have given away and have become released from in the world. It's when we are free of the world that we can be free to worship Allah and be free to be within Allah. So each of us has to become cognizant of our state, cognizant of what it is that we do, cognizant of what we think makes us happy and what we think makes us sad. And we need to take a look at all of these things. We need to do an inventory within ourselves Of what makes us click and why we react in certain ways and when we understand that we can begin to alter who we are so that our need shifts from a need from the world to a need for Allah that need for Allah has a cure and the cure is Allah in the world there is no cure. May that cure come to each of us. May Allah enter our hearts. May we know his peace. and May we know his contentment. May his grace flow through us, soothe us, and heal us from all of the difficulties that we've had in our life. And may we understand that in truth there is peace, and truth is our way and will be our way. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbi Al Amin. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh.